We're not doing this work for the recognition. No one's looking for a trophy or something to put up on, on their mantle. People need to be creating the memories of what does it mean for someone to have championed a cause, to exude great leadership, to show up for people? Like we need to be focused on creating memories and not getting trophies. Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. On today's episode, I am joined by Dr. Monique Liston, a Milwaukee native, activist, business owner, and community leader. We speak about Ubuntu Research's five-year anniversary, award systems, and even a little bit about good and bad television. Before we jump into the episode, I would like you to consider supporting Bridge the City on Patreon.com. For just $4.14, you can become a supporter of local, independent community journalism. Visit Patreon.com slash Bridge the City to become a patron today. Also, we're expanding. If you or someone you know is enthusiastic about Milwaukee and wants to grow Bridge the City, please let us know. We are a volunteer-driven organization which provides flexibility and the ability to focus on what you want. I've even spoken to two former mayors and can now call myself an audio engineer. If you are curious and excited about what's happening in Milwaukee and want to get involved, reach out at bridgethecitypodcast.com. Without further ado, here is our episode with Dr. Monique Liston. Dr. Liston, would you go ahead and introduce yourself and why you're here today? Absolutely. Um, my name is Dr. Monique Liston. I am the founder, chief strategist, and joyful militant at Ubuntu Research and Evaluation, um, a Milwaukee-based Black-led learning community. Um, and we are celebrating five years in 2022. That's amazing. I am so excited to hear more about it. And also, you just said you're a joyful militant. I actually reread Joyful Militancy during the COVID season, which is one of the books I read whenever I was in your class. So love that you're claiming that title for yourself. So as we get in, you are um, a woman of many talents and influence. You, I mentioned earlier, you're my, you were my professor. That was whenever I was a graduate student at Marquette University. You are a proud business owner, you're a friend of many people, an activist, and a Milwaukee native. What are the top three things that are important to you in your life right now? Oh, wow. Great question. Right at this moment, it is rest. (laughs) Really learning and understanding what rest is and how to best utilize it to make me not more productive, but more abundant. Um, So really just focusing on like actual rest, even though, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and a lot of things have slowed down, but at the same time, a lot of things have sped up. (laughs) So making room to really understand what does it mean to be rested, restful, um, take time for rest. So that is at the top of my list. Really quick. What is is that for you? What is, because I love that. And I think that's been something that probably a lot of people are reflecting on. So what is your definition of rest and being rested? 
so that you can do the things that you love and enjoy more productively or more presently? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I'm gonna be honest, I don't have an answer yet. That's why it's at the top of my list of things to focus on. Um, Yeah, I can't say like, this is what it looks like. I think I am in the season of exploring that. Well, I am excited for whenever you do have that answer and maybe you can share it out for others to be restful in a just an intentional way. Okay, so continue. Sorry to interrupt you there. Following rest is food. I am a true foodie, as in like I want to try all the things and visit all the restaurants. Um, And COVID makes that hard for sure, but I also cook at home. So it's just been like a deeper, more intentional investment in food and what I'm eating and how I'm eating in a space that allows me to be more conscious about it as opposed to like leaning on like my old tried and true things, right? (laughs) Making um, some new um, intentional decisions around food. That's number two. And I think number three would be pushing against this anti-Black capitalist world that's been really harmful. (laughs) Like, how can I, at every turn of my life, push against it? And when I feel more connected to it than resistant to it, like digging into those moments and understanding where that comes from, because it's not working, as you can see, (laughs) but it comes up for me daily. Yeah. Do you think it comes up for you in because of the work you're doing at Ubuntu or because just the world we live in? Can you explain a little bit more of how you're seeing it show up every day and then how you're pushing against it? I think it's more of a product of the world that I live in. Like the work that I do is a consequence of it. It's not the root of it. This is a poorly constructed social and economic space that's plagued with racism queer phobia, homophobia, transphobia, and makes it really hard for people, fat phobia, (laughs) for people to like really appreciate themselves, put their best foot forward without the temptation to fit within this very oppressive capitalist paradigm. So I don't think it's concrete. Like you do this, you do this, you do this. I think it's just a question that literally sits with me all the time from do you really need to order that from Amazon to did you work enough today to should you be further in your career? Are you paying your employees enough to should I spend $13.99 for this pizza tonight? Like every single question is sort of rooted on am I pushing against it, acquiescing to it or making more room for me to better understand it? That's great. And this does remind me one time of a conversation we had in class, though, of the contradictions of living in a capitalistic society. And so as you're pushing back against that, as you're learning about this, as you're questioning it, how are you navigating the contradiction? For instance, like I'm trying to think of a great example because I'm more conscious of it now since our class and what we were talking about is like you can't do everything perfectly because we are so embedded in a capitalist society. And so how how are you identifying these contradictions and sometimes accepting them and sometimes like really taking an intentional step away from that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it, it, it is an ongoing, ongoing wrestle. So I think it's hard to pinpoint, like, here's where it's happening. It's like <laughs> everything all the time um, from, from your purchasing decisions and really what you have access to um, being a part of it, right? So like, when you're thinking about the way capitalism is shaping our lives, it has so much to do with what we buy and sell, right? And part of the 
the things that I do is like I sell my labor. And so what does that relationship look like on a daily basis? And then I buy things I need to, <laughs> I need, and I need has quotation marks around it because it's also next to things that I want. And what does that mean too? So I think those sort of ongoing considerations are shaping that for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that we talk about here on the podcast and just in in general when I'm talking to my friends is you can you kind of vote with your money as well. So you're going to have to buy things that you need and that's or you want, but you also have a choice in in where you're going with that with your money that you've earned on the labor that you've done, etc. So, that's an interesting thing to continue thinking about and I'm glad it's in your top 3 because it's one of those things that you can't really avoid and so it's nice that you're being intentional about it also along the rest and food. I mean, it sounds like those top three are really going to keep you busy, but also really fill you with a lot of joy and thoughtfulness around it. So cool. Um, Earlier, Dr. Liston mentioned that she is the founder, chief strategist, and joyful militant of Ubuntu Research. Many of you probably know Ubuntu. Um, Dr. Liston, you founded this company five years ago, but can you tell us more what is Ubuntu? And like, what are your your organization's guiding principles? Yes. Like I said, it's a Milwaukee-based, Black-led learning community, which other folks might connect to a consulting firm. We really center our work around respecting, protecting, and fulfilling a sense of dignity for Black folks. And how do we do that internally with our own staff, our team, and our structure? And how do we help other organizations think about it through their policies, their programs, their processes? And how do we also give them the tools through our evaluation work to check themselves against what they're doing right now and what they intend to make manifest in the future? Right now, we have a staff of full-time staff of 13 um, who work across the country. We're based in Milwaukee, but we work nationwide with organizations, either through that evaluative lens or through that training and learning. Great. I'm glad that you did connect it, though, to the idea of a consulting firm, because I feel like I've seen your work from the outside. I'm like, oh, I really, I understand it, but this clicked in a new way. So I appreciate you giving us that that connection. And from the outside, what I see, um, you really talk about this Milwaukee-based Black-led And I really see that. And I see um, an incredible workplace for Black folks. And that is really rooted in intersectionality, critical thinking, and radical support of each other's life within and outside the organization. You also mentioned that you're nationwide. So even though you're Milwaukee-based, you're all over. You've really switched to remote from what I'm seeing. How have you built the culture that you've built that every at every moment that I'm looking at, it, I'm like, wow, this looks like a place that really uplifts the people that work there and the people that you're you're looking to consult, you're looking to support. I think so much of it is really because I'm a millennial, <laughs> for lack of a better description. I mean, when you look at the generational impact on the workforce millennials were that first generation to say this whole 30, 40 career at one organization just isn't going to cut it. You know, we were that first generation who was like, okay, I spent a few years here, a few years there. And, you know, I spent most of my early workforce years, you know, where my peers were like building careers in school, right? Studying and getting my PhD. And leaving academia, I really was thinking about 
creating space to work how I want to work. And so I had no idea five years ago that Ubuntu would look like this right now, but I was very resolute that I could not be a person who was checking in a clock nine to five. Like that just was not going to work out for me. And so what has manifested is really just creating the place I wanted to work at. (laughs) And a place that I wanted to work at was going to be very Black-centered, not just inclusive, not just appreciative, but centered, as in like Blackness is driving um, our understanding of the world and what we're going to do to make changes in the world, Um, and also understanding that there's not a lot of care for Black womanhood and how that shows up in professional spaces. So creating a space where that was respected, protected, and given a, a place to not just survive but to really flourish yeah and you can see that i mean i'm pretty sure you just hired someone and there was hundreds of applicants and you were very transparent about like what the salary was what you all mean as the company and i really value that as a community member and also just like as a millennial myself or as someone who's working in in the workspace and just how frustrating it can be to not really know until either you're hired or four interviews in, like either what the salary is or what the company culture is. Whereas like with you all, it's very clear that you you do create an environment where there's flexibility. You're seen as a person. You are, you're really set up to thrive and not just survive or just get a paycheck. I think that's really awesome that you have created that. So congratulations. Thank you. I mean, it was really hard fought. It's been a lot of reflection on that hiring process, which isn't quite over, it's almost over. Um, (laughs) But being able to at least be honest, I think that is a large part of this, is that so much of hiring has been secretive, you know? And as someone who was a first-generation college student, and like I come from a background like where folks worked labor jobs, right? And this sort of thinking economy that I'm a part of was very new and not something that was built into the household I grew up in. So just being transparent of what it means to have access to a little more resources than I've ever had before in my life and what is the expectation around that and so much of that is really covert in our current system like people don't talk about salaries and don't talk about benefits and you're expected to be on the same team with the same person and then have different salaries even though you're doing the same work. it's just such a convoluted mess and like in an attempt to avoid that let's be transparent honest and say what we got and also um, make room for people to say what they need I love that. Well, you're celebrating five years. You've built this from what your vision is for a workplace, but what are you most proud of in these five years? And then where do you see yourself in Ubuntu in five years? Um, I don't know if I could pinpoint one thing over the last five years other than this itself, because Ubuntu wasn't this wasn't what I dreamed of. (laughs) It just wasn't. I had no idea what this was going to turn out to be. So just the fact that I'm in the position to nurture, hold, and lead a workspace that provides full-time employment plus healthcare and retirement benefits for um, 12 Black folks is beyond my wildest imagination. So I think that's just the achievement that I'll sit with. And I think 
you know, over the next five years, I, I jokingly tell my team this all the time that I'm like, I hope I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and I say that in a in a way that's like, I am always looking for the next thing. And so I want to build up the infrastructure of Ubuntu to exist without me. And I don't want it to be something that happens on my deathbed. I want it to be like, yeah, I built that. And now I'm over here doing this. So that's where, where my intention is, whether that's five years, 10 years, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I want to enjoy seeing Ubuntu flourish without me at the helm. Yeah. And I think that's really, that also shows and reflects your own leadership of being able to be like, you know what, I created this. I'm really proud of it, but I don't want to be, it doesn't, it can be separate from me. I have created the systems that then allow black folks to flourish and to make a positive impact but it doesn't have to be because of and only from me, right? So that's really, I respect that. And I think that definitely is a reflection of your leadership as well. Well, on another note, I'm going to say, I don't know you well. I have been super honored to have a class by you, but I would say reserved is not how people you know would describe you. You constantly have engaging, thought-provoking social media posts that are unafraid to call out anyone and everyone who is either not uplifting and moving towards strengthening a community or even what you're talking about with your top three you're always pushing back about like anti-black capitalism and how our society can be better or how you envision your society. So recently you posted about reimagining awards and asking critical questions about who the community lifts up and puts on a platform. And I want to hear a little bit more from, from your thoughts of like, what do you think we should be highlighting and who would you want to give an award to or shout out and then on the flip side, where have we as a, a community gone wrong? Yeah, I think that's a great question to consider. I mean, at the root of it is like, I feel like everybody should be in the position to understand what it means to celebrate what they've achieved. And so I, it's not in the spirit of taking away from anyone, but it's also understanding who can who is the community that can validate a celebration. <laughs> and I think that... Um, historically, there's been a lot of critics thinking um, of uh, uh, a lot of critics of about Best of Milwaukee Awards and like who is centered in that work and who is seen as valid um, to be recognized for the works that they're doing. And so, I think that question should remain. It's no different than you think about. Um, in the early 90s, how the Grammys used to treat hip hop and rap, right? Like hip hop and rap now dominates the airwaves and music, right? But we're thinking in the early 90s when that category wasn't even a part of the televised Grammys, when that category was something that didn't even allow people to give speeches. And now it's like the music that is fueling <laughs> the entire music industry. And I think that same sort of lens needs to be looked at at both our entrepreneurial uh, business-based awards and our arts and music-based awards and our community-centered awards as well. Like, just because we don't get an award doesn't mean your, your work isn't valid. So let's make sure that's true. But also, when do we stop going to the award systems who have routinely, continuously <laughs> invalidated and not recognized our work for recognition? Like, why do we keep going there for recognition? Why aren't we creating alternative spaces or making other opportunities for people um, to be recognized for what they're doing? And it's not even to say that 
getting an award is it. Um, L Halo, who was the winner of Best of Milwaukee LGBTQ Advocate of the Year, reiterated a speech I gave earlier in the pandemic. Like, we're not doing this work for the recognition. No one's looking for a trophy or something to put up on, <laughs> on their mantle. People need to be creating the memories of what does it mean for someone to have championed a cause, to exude great leadership, to show up for people? Like we need to be focused on creating memories and not gaining trophies. Like those are two separate things. And so like balancing all of that, <laughs> leaning into what does it mean to celebrate ourselves and recognize the good work, but not to make it a self-serving, ego-boosting sort of self-centered events, but more about like, we can recognize good work and be in this place of doing good work, but we're not doing it in order to achieve it. Yeah, I really like the memories over trophies. And you mentioned something earlier of like, it's, it's so easy in our world to attach value to recognition, awards, really external affirmation in general. And so I really like your re like how you're thinking about it and you you really should be centered in the work and not that validation. And you know what? It's human. People are like that's it happens, but it's really important to take a step back and like really think about like why am I doing this? Why are we doing this as a community, et cetera? So you said it was kind of a a shout out to a former speech that you did. Was that on a Facebook Live? Was it at an event? Could anybody come, go and see that original talk or thought process that you had that talked about this? Yep, it was definitely on Facebook. And it was a reflection of one of the instructors from my workout earlier that day. So it's like a Facebook Live post um, from 2020, I believe, that I talk about that. All right, let's see if I can dig it up and then maybe put it in the show notes or talk about it more so that we can we can highlight that because actually that was one thing I really loved during uh, COVID is you had a you had a lot of and sorry we're still in COVID I don't want to dismiss that but some of our early early seasons if you will that you would pop up and have thoughts lunch break thoughts and I I don't know if you still do that but I really enjoyed the ones that I was able to watch so. Let's see if we can dig some of those up. And another, like, you also post about TV shows often. If I could claim television as a hobby, like, I will. And I want to know, though, what you would recommend every time. What would you, and then on the flip side, what would you warn people against? Like, wow, I wish I had these 14 hours that I binged back in my life type of show. Yeah, I am a huge um, TV watcher fan critic it's just fun right um but I don't know if I have one singular thing because people like all kinds of things my go-to sort of stress relieving calming show I always go back and watch The Office like hands down on one of the funniest series ever I really don't know how to relate to people who are like I've never seen The Office I'm like how (laughs) how's that even possible um so that's always what I go to if you're looking for drama Um, I really recommend Succession. That's on HBO. I really enjoyed something about white on white family violence on TV, like really gets me going. (laughs) It's my favorite, favorite (laughs) drama. So I will uh, totally, totally recommend that. Um, That about what I would say, like, don't bother watching. I don't know if I even have anything in that category, because if I'm not feeling something, I just won't 
do it <laughs> won't even make it all the way through yeah. it or get to the end of it so I don't I can't even think of something that was so bad that I'm like I can actually remember it to talk about it um oh I mean that's good for you that's good because I have done the opposite I've just kept watching and been like maybe we'll get talk better about, it's a show oh my gosh it's on Netflix right now um I think it's called Archive 81 Oh yeah, good, bad. I haven't, I haven't started I it. I want to know. Watching it and just could not get into it. I fell asleep watching it, trying to get into it four different times. So like, mm. I'm just Ooh, thinking that's, it's not for me. Yeah, that's a good sign that maybe it's not. But you know what? One time, one time that I started a show a lot and couldn't get into it was Shit's Creek, know. and now that's like my my one of my go-tos i love that feel good happy and now they have a documentary i've watched it all cried everything so i will check out i i am interested in archive 81 and so i'm i might get back to you on what i thought but that will be an interesting one and then really quick did you know secession is based off of the murdoch family and there's an amazing i don't know if it's like atlantic or a series on New York Times. There's a fascinating article and like feature all about the the drama within the Murdoch family and how secession is based off of it. And it really, I've actually never seen the show, but I read that whole article piece and was just so captivated. So if you like that juicy drama, that is an yes, interesting so story. I read that article after I had already been watching the show. Because you, as you're watching it, you get a feeling like this is sort of like that and this part, these things are connected. And so I really, really got into it. Um, a lot. You know, my other show that does something similar, but not on the family level, just on the overall sort of like, this is so, so real is the morning show with Steve Carell, who I love because of the office and Jennifer Aniston. And they sort of do like cable news coupled with good morning America and all of that drama, especially related to the sexual assault that was found out between um, newscasters and it was like who knew who didn't know what that what was the impact on the news and how it showed up and that is another show that gives you all that goodness yeah so and that one's on apple tv i know so if you have a free trial or if you have all the subscriptions you can go see it there okay to wrap this up i've really appreciate this conversation but we can't let listeners go without action steps so what would you like the listeners to know as their tangible action step that will really is something that they can do after immediately after listening to this immediately after listening um two things one is to sign up for Ubuntu Research and Evaluations mailing list. Just go over to our website, UbuntuResearch.com. Um, you can follow us on social media too. Um, and the other is to donate to Love on Black Women, um, which is a fund ran um, by one of our soon-to-be new staff members that provides emergency, emergency fund assistance to Black women, femmes, and non-binary folks as they need it without um, any contingency. Because um, we know those situations happen, especially in the middle of COVID. So I, I would advocate that if you have funds, make sure you send them there. If you don't, <laughs> please follow us on social media and sign up for our mailing list. I love those. Those are great actionable steps. I'm going to add a third one just because I see you remind everyone on Facebook and you've reminded me before to drink water. Always stay hydrated. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Liston. This has been fantastic. Well, if you made it this far and are wondering, did Ashley ever watch Archive 81? 
Yes, I did. And unlike Dr. Liston, I was unable to stop when I didn't enjoy it. I kept hoping it would get better, but it was terrible. And it's one of those things where I see all these other critically acclaimed responses and think everyone's kidding, right? So if you're actually someone who liked it, please talk to me. I would want to know why. In all seriousness, thank you, Monique, for joining Bridge the City and sharing about Ubuntu, award systems, and your hobbies. You can find all the links mentioned in the episode's show notes. As always, if you enjoy the podcast and are able to financially support us so we can continue volunteering to make this happen, please do at patreon.com slash bridge the city.